Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. Good morning, everyone, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. You know, recently I had the most incredible man on my show named Tom Salta. I called him a hero in the world of music for video games, hot film trailers, and emotionally driven music for corporations and national ad campaigns. And you know what? We couldn't stop. So here's part two, and I've got Tom Salta with me right now, and I am so excited. Tom, welcome back to Center Stage. Glad to be back, Pam. I know. All this talk about you growing up and loving music and just being this crazy kid with a synthesizer, literally, and then loving Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then finally getting to go to Mecca, which was Skywalker Ranch, yeah, to do some recording for the game Halo. I mean... You must have been in heaven. Literally, I really was. I'm like, it can't get better than this. You know, being in the theater there, watching Raiders of the Lost Ark in George Lucas's theater from the original film, and then in the other soundstage was the uh, the recording session that we had been doing for for Halo, which I was involved in. I'm so glad to be involved in that. It's just a really a dream come true, full circle for me. Did you just like? Pinch yourself and, and, and thank the Lord that you'd chosen this this career path oh, in the end. absolutely. I, I call them God winks. It's like sometimes in your life where so many coincidences line up that could never in a million years happen. I'm like, it's kind of like God winking down at you saying, yep, you're on the right path. That's the way I look at it. I love it. So when was that moment when you really knew you had made the right choice in really going the direction of, of scoring for video games? When did you know it was really rock solid? I, just, I received so much validation and support in the video game industry, it became like a new family for me. I mean, remember, this came out of that 15-year career in, in focusing on record producing and then uh, starting over, in effect, in, the, in a brand new industry, being no one, starting from scratch and quickly getting a lot of validation. Uh, I remember it was a joke. I, I won, uh, there's an industry, uh, there's an organization called the Game Audio Network Guild, which is a worldwide guild of game audio professionals who are voiceover actors, sound designers, and composers and they have an award show very much like the Grammys and I remember the first year I got into games I won what they called the rookie of the year award because they're like this guy came out of nowhere and he's like in all these games and what have you so I kind of went up there at 30 something years old almost a bit embarrassed I'm like uh do I really (laughs) do I want to be known as a rookie at this point you know (laughs) but uh it was it was just you know the beginning of a new uh career uh and it was very validating for me uh, and it became a new family for me I've in fact since then become very active in the organization I'm actually on the board of directors as well and uh it's it's been it's been uh, really a wonderful ride that's fantastic. So think about those days we talked about in part one, where, where you actually dragged your dad out to make him buy you your first <laughs> keyboard synthesizer. So what is, what is your studio like now? You know, it's funny. If you see my studio now versus 20 years ago, you'd be like, where did all the equipment go? You know, it used to be you'd buy all these different racks of synthesizers and keyboards all over the place and wires everywhere. And uh, now it... the the modern composer studio is pretty much a computer and a screen or multiple screens, mm-hmm. you know, maybe with some preamps and things like that. So it's very, very efficient. Uh, and you don't need a lot of room. You just need a good pair of listening, you know, speakers, good headphones, and a lot of cool uh, music library software and a very powerful computer. And that's 
pretty much now I have a big, massive 4K, 43-inch screen that I can fit all the different things on. And that's pretty much my, my studio. I have a, a nice 88, you know, uh, weighted keyboard controller. And um, and I pretty much, that is my, I control everything from that. And I can create any sound imaginable with, 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 with that studio. And what kind of work ethic do you have? Are you one of these guys that likes to work late into the night? Do you get your inspiration then? Are you a typical musician, Tom Salta? Uh, Well, you know, (laughs) left to my own accord, I definitely would be. I used to be the guy, you know, before I was married with kids, and I I used to be the guy that would, you know, basically have my creative moments in the evening. I go to bed at 3 a.m. and get up at 10 a.m., you know, uh, but now uh, nowadays I've fallen into a different rhythm, which is a, is a very good discipline. I think I might not enjoy it as much, but I find I'm really very productive. So I mm-hmm. I go to bed much earlier and I get up much earlier. I kind of get up when the kids are going to school and whatever, and the house starts to wake up. And I find that if I'm really disciplined about it and I focus on 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 sticking to a schedule, even though musicians don't like that, mm-hmm. they don't like that kind of discipline and working in the box. I find myself if I can I can be very very productive before even lunchtime you know i can get a lot of my the big heavy lifting out of the way and uh and this way you know if i make it to to dinner time and an ideal day is i just stop working at dinner and i found that over the years the more efficient i am the less time i give myself to work on something the more productive i am doing it and the more free time i have Mm -hmm. which as a creative person is a fantastic thing it's very liberating because then you recharge it's not like you know it's not like you're just burning the candle at both ends and i work late and and i gotta get up early and work and work and work work it's just about outputting music as a creative professional i think it's a lot about what you take in as -hmm. well as what you put out it's like breathing you know the creative process like if a lot of us forget we have to breathe in you know, and breathing in is sometimes just stopping or listening That's right. to music or just going out of the studio, maybe go taking a vacation, maybe taking a walk, maybe painting, maybe just doing the things you love to do, being a person again. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. find that it invigorates me. And it, when I get back in the studio, I'm like, I work double fast. So what's the most satisfying part of the process for you? Is Is it... When you're in the middle of the process or is it the end result or maybe it's just that adrenaline rush in the beginning when you're challenged with something new? You know, the most satisfying thing that ever happens to me, which is rarer than I'd like, is, you know, when you get chills, when you get goosebumps after creating something. It's like, wow, that where you know, and something that didn't exist before and you were part of the, the process and making that happen. That that's that, that was probably the most rewarding aspect creatively Mm -hmm. I think as any creative person goes Um, but for me every process is different I mean I've worked on so many different kinds of projects we can talk about where everything is different but usually the formula applies the first step is I do a lot of research and a little R&D you know, so no matter what it is, whether it's an assignment that I have to work on that's something very unfamiliar to me I take the time to immerse myself in that, become Mm -hmm. an expert in that, Mm -hmm. even if I'm not I have to, you know, we could be listening to that kind of music, studying it, whatever it is. Um, so that's the first step. And then the second step is just tricking yourself into being creative while you're having fun. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, one thing we forget is that, you know, people say they're not creative. Well, I'm not creative. Well, that's, that's nonsense. I think we're all creative. I mean, you never hear a kindergartner, you know, with a box of crayons say, well, I'm not very creative. <laughs> Yeah, they just go right to they it. They just do it. Yeah. And, and it's because they're having and they fun. Find it along they're not the way. making a living doing it. There's no mm-hmm. the pressures and the schedule. They just do it. So I think as a creative person, um, it's a, all about tricking yourself into having fun mm-hmm. while under a deadline, you know, and, and just so give yourself that time to have the sandbox and, and have fun. And that's part of my process, too. Just where I can just 
put out the ideas, not worry if it's any good or not, and just collect all these ideas. And then usually through the process of attrition, I will get rid of things. That's no good. That's no good. And I'm usually left with a few gems along the way. I bet you are. You know, you have the greatest job in the world because you get to play all the time. You're living your bliss. You realize that. Like uh, Joseph Campbell said, you are really living it. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm a big, big advocate of following your passions. And yeah, I'm very grateful only and way. lucky to be uh, doing what I love. It doesn't mean it's always fun. It's not like every day it's like, yay, everybody, I'm going to go. <laughs> you know, it, I still have challenges. It's certainly not the most financially stable industry to go into. I would never recommend it going in it for the money. Um, but I will say that the rewards greatly outshine the the uh, the, the cons of it. Um, just the uh, ability to do you know work in the video game industry, which I've I'm you know I've been a gamer since I was a little kid. Love that, mm-hmm. and uh, and then just to be creating music and affecting people's emotions, helping people. Mm-hmm. I get so many uh, emails from people around the world and different different occupations and everybody from the military to creative people to editors to just normal everyday people mm-hmm. and uh and it's you know hearing how the my music helped them or inspired them or helped them at a time in their life or just made their day better you know it reminds me that I'm providing a service, you know, and you're You're affecting people. Tom Salta, you are special. And I want to hear one special piece right now. And that's Katana Girl from Red Steel. Can you set this up a little bit this, for us? This How is did a this really happen? interesting story. Um, when er, er, In the earlier days of my video game career, I think in 2004, I got an opportunity. Uh, I was contacted by Ubisoft, which is a very big video game company. And I had worked with the audio director once before, and he loved working with me. And uh, he asked me, he says, we're looking for someone to create uh, Japanese music. Have you created Japanese music before? And I listened to this whole description of what he's looking for. And I got, you know, I'm listening to him. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to do this. But of course, <laughs> I've learned from my earlier days that you never say you don't know how to do something. Exactly. You just say yes and you figure <laughs> it out. So I got off the phone and I'm like, oh my God, of course, yeah, yeah, I can do this. And I got off the phone. What am I going to do? So I remember I was like in a panic. I'm like, oh my God, I have to write this Japanese choral music. I called literally the Japanese embassy in New York City. And I'm like, do you know any Japanese musicians and whatever? <laughs> and, and you know, it was like a, a detective uh, uh, chase. And I found some, some singers and they put me in touch with some other things. And long story short, I, I found a whole community of uh, wonderful musicians. And um, uh, after a lot of research and experimentation, we ended up making a very authentic sounding, a- almost ancient sounding kind of Japanese choir piece with big percussion and, and ethnic instruments and uh, ended up being the, the title song for this successful game called Red Steel. Let's hear a little bit.
Salta, how is writing for vocal music? You know, is it is it difficult for you? Is it easy? Does it come naturally? I enjoy it a lot. Um, Any time that we can um, bring in a real human being and and breathe, it breathes life into the music. It breathes. It, it brings a real soul to it, mm-hmm. especially because you know I'm a. I work with computers. I, I create music electronically, so to speak. The ideas usually begin in the computer mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just on paper. And so any time that I can bring in live musicians uh, into the process, it it brings it to life. Right, right, right. That's wonderful. So I know you, you work with a lot of corporates, uh, corporate clients, and they include giants such as Coca-Cola, the Marines, yeah. Warner Brothers, Microsoft. The list is impressive and very lengthy. And I would encourage everyone to go to Tom Salta's website just to check him out properly. And you can hear so much more music. How is this different for you in the, in the corporate world? Well, in some ways it's different. In some ways it's not different. Uh, it's It can be very rewarding. I don't these days do a ton of you know, commercial jingles and things like that. That's not where my heart is. But I do work with a few exclusive agencies that specialize in creating these purpose-driven films. And what that means is they will create films about the origins of a company. And and they're the kind of films that they'll show at the annual conferences or conventions or the CEO will walk out to it or whatever. So usually there's much more of a purpose behind it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, there are a lot of unique assignments that come my way. For example, one of them was by a big company called uh, NCR, the National Cash Register Company. These are the people that created the cash register. Yeah, that one. And. And these days, they've kept up with the times, and they are the ones who manufacture most all of the uh, ATM machines you go to or the scanners in scoop supermarkets like, you know, Stop and Shop, Walmart, you're the poop, and all this. So I got this assignment where they wanted to create a piece of music that had an emotional um, – aspect to it about the sounds of commerce. So almost like where it started and then breathe life into it where it comes alive. That's fascinating. And they, they, they had the idea, why don't we, you know, incorporate the sounds of these machines into mm-hmm. it? So I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, I'm thinking, uh, it goes back to like Pink Floyd money. I'm thinking, yes. oh yeah, yeah, like the <laughs> and they started making this piece off of the rhythm of these sound effects. So, you know, anyway, long story short, I ended up um, starting by going out with a field recorder at night uh, to ATM machines so where there weren't people around and in Stop and Shop and Walmart with a microphone and recording me just scanning things out or Mm -hmm. taking money out, Mm -hmm. getting a collection of sounds. Uh, I I had a sound designer put these sounds together in these playable instruments for me and I started creating this rhythm which then evolved into this melody and this this, uh, piece which came to life and – they really loved where it went, so much so that at the end of the piece, they wanted to create a ringtone from it for all of their employees. And, That's uh, fantastic. It was, <laughs> so it really told the story, and it, it made them really happy. So can we hear yeah. a little bit of this right now? Sure. A little
fun. And I did set up Pink Floyd in my mind from the beginning. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, boy, thanks. I love this. And so how did that go over with NCR? Did they love it? Yeah, they really loved it. Uh, I, I don't think they were expecting uh, yeah, something that, like that. Yeah. I think they, they were actually very worried because they didn't want uh, – it to be so sound effect driven by in the middle of the piece. They wanted it to be very musical. Yeah. But the agency really felt, no, no, this is, it, Tom can do this. We can really get the best of both worlds. So starting with just sounds and letting that be the impetus for the, for the, uh, um, the rest of the composition. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, you, you said before you're really driven by the inspiration of John Williams, the mm. composer. So do you think you've raised yourself, you know, to that level at this point? Are you a melody man at this point, Tom Salter? Well, I would dare even use my name in the same sentence as John Williams comparing myself. Uh, he's always been an inspiration to me, but I come from such a different background yeah. than John. John is one of the, the greatest, you know, composers has ever in my mind ever existed and one of the greatest movie composers by far um but his what i've taken from that is that melody i mean that's one of the things that makes john williams so great Mm -hmm. is that he just finds that melody in addition to his prowess with orchestral instruments and arranging Mm -hmm. he's it's so uh i and the emotional factor that 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 he brings to the music so that i've taken away and i've just approached it with my skill set my upbringing my background that's so fascinating because we all come to these things needing an emotional punch that's all we go for to a movie or you know being becoming involved in a video game we need to be led by the movie music and of course john williams uses that um the light motifs to declare um certain characters you've done this now too and you're providing us with this food it's fantastic but you know you know i'm a i'm a classically trained musician and and sometimes it's hard for me when i i learn about uh, people who call themselves musicians but aren't trained at all they're Mm. just guys with a computer you know how do you answer that well um it's interesting i I try to remain very open-minded and and realize that People can create music in all different ways. You, you can be musical and not necessarily be conservatory trained. I mean, I'm the I'm an example of that. Um, it makes me approach music differently. But there are people out there that are making music that don't know how to play at all, and they're really literally using a computer to drag notes mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. and clicking notes one at a time. Yeah, and it you know it's very very limiting. Uh, In fact, I'm approached a lot when I give talks to different kinds of audiences, and some people come to me and say, well, do you need to be conservatory trained? Do you need this? Do you need that? Do you need this? And I say to everybody, look, um, it's important when you're younger to to really get the biggest toolbox you can. So because it'll serve you later, mm-hmm. it'll serve you well mm-hmm. uh, later in life. So if you have the opportunity and you want to go into music and you have the opportunity to learn sight reading and orchestration and conducting and, mm-hmm. and everything, learn it, learn off. it. Mm-hmm. Because I have seen and even very successful electronic musicians, they're mad at themselves. I mean, these are famous people mm-hmm. and they're still mad at themselves for just not doing that earlier on. Because right. now they're like limited and they're so busy that they can't go back and do it. But no, you don't need that training to create great music, but it does limit your 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 toolbox, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, I'd rather have a bigger box of crayons and tools to to you know to pull to draw, to from. draw from exactly. And so so do you see yourself going into film music at at any time? Well, you know, 
yes and no. Um, the thing is, I live out here in the East Coast, and although I do travel back and forth, um, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. still an industry where it's very L.A. centric. Mm-hmm. Now, in the video game world, it's still L.A. centric, but it's a little bit more global than that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be living down the street from the game director. It it could help. But it, you don't have to be. And yeah. I've established my career being known internationally. So most of my clients, I mean, no one that I get hired from lives locally. You know, mm-hmm. I'm hired, I'm working with clients in China and, and Korea and Paris and, and Canada and, you know, the West Coast and, and Romania and you name it, and anywhere. Um, so it's... That's why I I think I'm better suited for the world of video games mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. of the work. So the work that I do is not dictated by where I live. Mm-hmm. I do film trailer music. I don't doesn't matter where I live. That's right. Video game music, it doesn't necessarily matter where I live. Uh, industry music, again, same thing. It's just a matter of what you create. Mm-hmm. And thanks to the internet, I mean, it's opened up so many possibilities That's where right. I've collaborated with people around the world um, all at the same time and – it never, ever would have been possible. Prince of Persia was a perfect example of that. Wow. This is so fantastic. So let's hear a little bit of Prince of Persia. You want to set this up a little bit? Sure. Um, you know, coming full circle, you might remember in part one where I was saying that one of the games that really inspired me besides Halo was Prince of Persia. I listened to the music and it was just so eclectic and immersive and, and escapist. It really took me somewhere else. And um, so... It was always on my bucket list if I could only work on a Prince of Persia game. And uh, interesting story, when I was going to uh, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco one day, I was walking through the streets, and I heard this music, this street performer bouncing off the buildings. It sounded like singing metal, all these tones, these metallic tones. And I tracked it down to this musician, his name was Michael Maisley, and he was performing, he looked so strange. He had this like symbol arm thing and he had finger symbols. He had, no, he had like these feathers, metal feathers on his fingers and he was like bowing the strings and he made this whole thing and I walked up to him. I was just staring there, hypnotized. I said, listen, I bought a CDs. I said, if I ever get a chance to work on this one game, uh, I'm going to call you and I was thinking Prince of Persia and three years later, I got the opportunity Um and I called him. I found him. I found his email, and I and I got in touch with him. It's and and this, I worked with him. He was in San Francisco. I worked with a percussionist in Brooklyn, Bashiri Johnson. I worked with a singer in Italy. I worked with an ethnic um, uh, in, uh, wind player in Switzerland, and of another vocalist in Los Angeles. And it became this tapestry of just immersion and dreamy music. And and that's I think what we're about to hear. Wow.
Tom Salta. I love it. That's Prince of Persia. Tom, tell me, do you have a photographic memory? No. <laughs> I think you do, though, with your oral skills. Are you a synesthete? Do you see things in color? Do you see music in color? I, I don't notice myself um, seeing music in color, but it's interesting that you're asking me that because whenever I am asked, I remember I was asked to create music that sounded rusty green. And for some reason, I knew what that meant, mm-hmm. although I never thought of it that way. Some of the greatest artists are Jackson Pollock, for one. You know, it's it's that brain function. I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. You might want to think about that a little it's bit. It's really, now that you're saying that, I'm like, wow, what does blue <laughs> sound like? And I just heard it. That's really fascinating. Uh, that, you you wow. look into that. Think about it. I'll challenge you to write in purple soon. Interesting, yeah. What one word sums you up best? Persistent. Oh, I like that. Boy, that came right to the forefront immediately. Oh, yeah. That's, that, <laughs> that's, that's my philosophy. In fact, I named my uh, company Persist Music. Is that right? Absolutely. That is. It comes from that uh, quote, uh, the Calvin Coolidge quote that ends with, you know, um, uh, persistence alone is omnipotent. Uh, that's what you need. It's not about talent. It's not about all the other things. It's about persistence yep. alone will get you there. It's and and I'm, I'm the epitome of that because I'm certainly not the most talented composer in the world, but I'll keep at it until I get and there. And you've stayed in the game and you are a success now. Are you happy with that? I'm, I feel very grateful uh, and, and fulfilled uh, and when, when I look back at how far things have come. And where do you see yourself in about 10 years? I don't know. And I've learned, uh, you know, there's a saying, you know, how to make God laugh. Tell him your plans. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all I can tell you is that I'm, I'm you know, I'm following my passions where I'm most interested, uh, the things that fascinate me. Even the world of video games is still evolving. I mean, we now uh-huh. have virtual reality. And I'm just completely fascinated by that. We have a virtu- we have a vibe at, at home, and it's unbelievable. I mean, talk about immersion. I mean, you put on the goggles, and you're in another world. Literally, it's like a dream. It's like this is I'm here, and you know. So throw that into the whole escapism thing, and throw music into that formula. I mean, who knows where that's going to go? I think you're going to be growing forever, and <laughs> it has been an absolute delight talking to you, Tom Salta. I encourage everyone to go to Tom Salta. That's S A L T A dot com for more information. Tom, I hope you'll come back back and do part three with me soon. I would love I, to. I, th- I think you've got more stories to tell. <laughs> this is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. Mm-hmm.